I'm Scott Jennings, and today we're discussing blind and dumb meeting attendees. More on the bell to follow. Executive summary. An effective meeting is one wherein the attendees are with the facilitator the entire time and can and do follow along. Here are some suggested tactics. Musts for an effective meeting. Have an agenda. Make it simple. If you need to hold someone accountable for the events or discussions during the meeting, make sure to publish minutes of the meeting. Attendee assumptions. I'm going to say that if you can assume these things about your attendees, just take this as gospel. You make these assumptions, your meetings will go better. The first assumption on your attendees, number one, they are not expert in this subject matter. The subject matter you're presenting on may be something that is just not known to the attendees. It may be too technical for them, or it may be just that you're talking about events in which the attendees just weren't present, so they don't know what you're talking about. Well, don't make the assumption that they do. So the first attendee assumption, your attendees are not expert in the subject matter. Number two, your attendees are not paying attention every second during the meeting. People are not paying attention to you. They are drifting off mentally because it's more exciting than what you're talking about, or their phone buzzes and they're emailing or texting or whatever. Speak your agenda out loud, providing references to where you are so that when they do come back and join you from their little text siesta, they're back up to speed. So those are the, those are the two attendee assumptions. Number one, they're not expert in the subject matter. Number two, they're not really paying attention to you all the time. Treat your attendees as blind and dumb. This is an awful thing to say, and it's crassly overstated, but if you can agree with the assumptions I just had, those two assumptions, here are the two top items for a meeting facilitator. Number one, state the obvious and educate the embarrassed. Well, now what does that mean? Well, that means that just because you know what a whaler is and a sheet pile cofferdam doesn't mean that everyone in the meeting does. So explain it. So the, the one person out of eight in the room who doesn't know what one is and is too embarrassed to say, um, excuse me, what's a whaler? No one's going to say that. They're embarrassed. So what do you do? You say it like this in a meeting. The contractor today installed the first of two whalers. And, you know, as, as everyone knows, you know, whalers are those internal rings of structural steel. You know, you see inside the coffer dams preventing the sheet piles from caving in on the crew inside. You guys saw it over there at Manhole 42, you know, where they had the coffer dam installed. And you see that first ring about 10 feet down from the actual at-grade level. That's all better than... Last week, the crew drove sheets utilizing their pre-built template at grade, and they're now proceeding to the first of two whalers. What? What's a sheet pile coffer dam? What's a whaler? What's a template? What are all these things? And I'm tuning out now, A, because you're talking above me, and B, I just, I'm embarrassed to even ask what all that stuff is, huh? So number one was state the obvious and educate the embarrassed, without bringing it to their attention, obviously. The second thing is keep attendees on the meeting map. An agenda which is numbered serves as a roadmap for attendees, so every time you go from one item to another, refer the attendee to the discrete location in the agenda. So, for example, you can say, Alrighty, let's see, we're leaving item number 1.3 and starting into item 2.1. Okay, 2.1, let's talk about the recent near-miss trench cave-in. You reference discreetly with a number, even repeat it a couple times because people are just re-engaging with you. If you pretend that your attendees are blind, and cannot see the agenda. This is why you announce your location throughout the meeting, referencing agenda numbers and reading pertinent parts of the agenda. And you assume that they're dumb, you know, blind and dumb. The dumb part being that you break things down into, you know, within the meeting, explain the simple or the obvious. You can have very effective meetings. Blind and dumb, right?
It's kind of like the assumption, you know, everyone told you to make when you learned about public speaking. Oh, just pretend everyone's naked out there. Same sort of thing, right? I guess you can now say pretend they're blind and dumb and naked if you want, if you get nervous. A couple bonuses for you. Bonus number one, bell timer. Get a short order kitchen bell like the one pictured in the, pictured in the article and the one I just rang. You can ring it at the one minute, two minute, five minute mark, especially for those people who are verbose. Johnny? Uh, you had your five minutes. You're done. Moving on. Bonus number two, pause for marination. That's a pause for marination. When you say something with any any sort of weight or complexity, let it hover out there for a few seconds. It gives the people who are attending time to process what you said, get their thoughts together, and then maybe even a question will pop out. So if you read something about, say, the cofferdam or whatever I was just talking about, Let it just kind of sit out there before you move on to the next agenda item. Bonus number three, bring a handout. One of my mentors in my mid-30s said, every good meeting needs a handout. I kind of never forgot that. So when applicable, instead of referring to an event or a drawing or a specification, bring it up in the meeting. Bring it to the meeting. You know, bring that handout to the meeting. My story, I don't run as many meetings as I used to. I still do, though. But I try to keep the attendees participating and try to hand the figurative microphone around as much as I can just to keep people engaged. My dad used to sit us all on the bench when I was playing baseball, and he would, you know, be kind of tossing up the baseball, tossing up the, in his own hand, right, tossing up the baseball, catching it, tossing up the baseball, catching it. If you weren't paying attention, he threw it at you. So he just kind of tossed it gently. I was seven. But anyway, that was one way I think he engaged everyone when he was talking to the team. He'd throw it over, uh, there was a guy named Jonathan who was kind of a yahoo on the team. And he would just kind of he'd toss the ball to him a lot. Toss the ball over to Jonathan and just go, hit him in the chest. It's another way to engage your meeting attendees is, is bring a baseball and throw it at them. Uh, up to you. you. Use your own discretion on things like that. I probably also, last thing here is I probably also over-explain. There's people in my meetings at a high level who aren't engaged regularly on what I'm presenting about. Also, there's younger people in my meeting who don't maybe know what a what a cofferdam is or what a whaler is. So I over-explain things so that no one has to ask and be embarrassed about you know, things like this. Everyone in your meeting should be able to become a little bit more educated you know, in your meetings. You know, they should be able to understand the content. They should be able to participate at some level or at least at a minimum go home with something that they didn't come into the meeting with. Maybe they're going home smarter than they came in at. That's a good meeting. What's it?